Welcome back to Four of a Pine Podcast. This podcast is for all those out there just like us trying to figure out what's next in their careers. So join us and exciting guests as we discuss navigating our jobs, entrepreneurship, and all the ups and downs along the way. Hi, everyone. This is Grace, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle. But we're missing half of the crew today. Yeah, so we're missing two of our co-hosts, Lauren and Kelsey, our co-host from D.C. But the good news is we're joined today by very special guests. And I'm, I'm personally very excited because this is someone who used to be in corporate America, just like me. I'm in corporate America right now. But she took a leap of faith and is now running her own company. Yeah, and she's doing a really good job. So on today's show, we have my friend Nikki Correa, the founder of Genuine Glow, which is a beauty and wellness company. And this brand has been recognized as a top 50 breakthrough beauty brand by founder Maids and has been nominated for the CEW Indie Beauty Brand of the Year. She started this company in June 2015 and has already grown it to a $2 million business, which is not easy to do. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. So, Nikki, before we dig into how you got started with your company, Genuine Glow, Mm -hmm. can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Sure. I'd love to. So Genuine Glow is a beauty brand with a mission to bring health and wellness to the everyday consumer. It's a capsule collection specializing in essential healthy skincare products. And we're currently expanding and I'm looking into partnerships to make the brand and the message more accessible to the public. So you worked for a large company before you started your own, as Michelle mentioned earlier. You are managing one of the regions for a Fortune 500 company in the recruitment industry. So how the heck did you end up in the beauty industry? I mean, those two industries could not be more different from each other. Can you walk us through how you got into this and how it all started? Yeah, the industries are very different, but the skill set when it comes to working in corporate America, at least what my role is and starting my own business, weren't actually all that dissimilar. So, I mean, really how I got started is, um, you know, a lot of of people today have, you know, stresses, environmental stresses, work stresses, um, life stresses, and I was no different. And so I started having skin issues because of some of those stresses, and I really wanted to find a solution. So I had an understanding that healthy food and healthy eating are really the foundation for overall physical health, and that's when I realized that healthy skincare ingredients would be the foundation for overall skin health. So I started working to identify core nutrients that the skin needs most to transform into the healthiest version of itself when those ingredients are applied topically, and that's really how the idea for Genuine Glow began. So you basically identified a problem, something you're experiencing personally, and because you're not liking any of the existing solutions out there, you set out a mission to solve it yourself. Correct. Yep. I like it. Yeah, I love that idea too. I think that's what Kelsey needs to do with her sunscreen application problem. Just just set out a mission to solve it herself. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, then you need to listen to our What Company Would You Start Today mini-sode. So maybe we can connect you guys together and you guys can uh, help (laughs) each other create that new idea. So, Nikki, I'm not sure if you've listened to any of our earlier episodes. I have. Oh, okay, cool. But we had an episode. I made an episode. You made her listen to them before this. 
So we had an episode on risk taking and we discussed how risk, how Grace is a risk taker, whereas I feel like I am a risk averse individual kind of because of my role that I have at work. But I'm curious about entrepreneurs in general. They make a decision to start a business and they jump from a really successful corporate career into something that I perceive as a huge risk. How were you ready to make that decision? And how did you know that you were ready? Yeah, that's a good question, an important question. So for me, I mean, it certainly, it wasn't an overnight decision. I thought about it for a while and I've always been someone who's had an entrepreneurial spirit, but that spirit needs to be combined with passion. And so my passion was always a combination of inside outside beauty, you know, the, the mind body connection, what we see here and tell ourselves certainly affects us. But I also loved the service industry, providing a service to customers and to clients. I loved building a team, goal setting, achievement, and feeling like I positively contributed to something. So I spent some time figuring out how I could do both. And fortunately, I I travel a lot. I always have domestically and internationally. Over the years, I have been everywhere from, I think, Beverly Hills to Ethiopia. And I was able to see different beauty and self-care rituals really firsthand. And that's how I first learned the benefits of natural and fresh skincare ingredients. So I self-studied, learned as much as I could about skincare ingredients, partnered with organic and fair trade farmers from across the globe. And through a friend of a friend, I was introduced to a cosmetic chemist who approved my formula and then I was off. So the products came first, the company came second. And so like thinking about risk aversion, that took some of the pressure off of it because it wasn't something that just happened right away. You know, it took about, I'm making this sound like it happened very quickly, but it really was about two years of work before I even decided that this was something that I can really do on my own. And it's something that I could be successful at. Um, Then once the products were done, they started to garner some interest. And I myself was at a fork in the road professionally where I could move into another role where I was at the company I was working for, or I could go out on my own and start my own business. And I took some time to think through what I really like to do most on a day-to-day basis and what I'm good at. And as I said earlier, there wasn't that much separation or difference as you would think between my role in corporate America and running my own business, obviously, besides not, you know, receiving a paycheck from someone else. (laughs) That would be the big one. (laughs) That's where my risk aversion comes out. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did you do that? Um, Thank you for sharing that. And I'm just wondering, how did you find the time to do all this research, all the travel to find and source the right people and right ingredients while you had your full-time job? So the travel was um, that I just did just in general, just personally, I've just always been a big traveler. And so the travel wasn't specifically because or or to find these farmers. It was I was in regions where I was able to locate them and just to make connections. And I mean, it took a lot of time. Like it's, it's no different than finding time to watch a TV show or to read a book. You just have to prioritize differently. And so I really had an interest in this and dove headfirst into it. And so that's how it took, you know, to... I mean, two years, it could have taken four years, Um, it would have taken any amount of time, because as I said, it wasn't just about starting a business, it was about starting the right business for me, that's something that I can do well, and something that I also really believed in. 
Sounds like you were very passionate at the time and you still are super passionate about the goal and the mission. So that's really exciting. Um, We hear a lot about the hesitations from people who want to pivot from the corporate world to entrepreneurship because they feel like they lack the skill set of an entrepreneur, but you are one of the ones who have made it happen. Can you talk about that transition And did you think your experience working for a large company, you kind of talked about that already, but can you talk a little bit about how that transformation occurred and maybe some of the experiences in between? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, I was fortunate in the sense that I was used to working long hours. I was used to business ups and downs. I was used to interacting with C-level contacts. You know, I started managing people at the age of 24. I was promoted to a VP at 28. Um, And so I was traveling across the U.S. interfacing with C-level contacts. So a lot of those things that seem scary when you go out on your own, you know, being able to talk about and interface and interact with people about what it is that you're trying to do. I already had that experience and I, I was in business development for a while and I won a lot of top performer awards. So I really did feel ready to be out on my own. It wasn't something that I entered into haphazardly. It was really, it was the right, it was the right business. And I felt that I had the right experience. And so it came a lot more natural for me than perhaps it might for, for other people. You said that this wasn't something you entered into haphazardly. And it sounds like you reached a point where you felt that you were really prepared enough to make the move. Um, You had the business acumen from your experience in your corporate job. You've accumulated the skill set that you can apply. But can you talk about some of the other things that you did to prepare yourself? Just tactically for our listeners who are maybe looking to start a company, was there a checklist of, okay, these are all the things I need to do and think about and I need this entire list of things kind of checked off before I can transform my dream into reality? I did talk to some people who had started their own business before to get, I would say, more of the tactical things about, you know, forming a business, taxes, all of, of that aspect, because I wasn't that familiar with that. Um, but I would say that, you know, I certainly had to have an honest conversation honest conversation with myself about what my own strengths and weaknesses were. And I had to realize that, you know, my weaknesses or things that I hadn't done weren't necessarily going to hold me back unless I let it meaning in the sense that I didn't know when it was appropriate to ask for outside help. And so I learned early on that, you know, I couldn't be the attorney, I couldn't be the accountant, I couldn't be the graphic designer, I couldn't be the top salesperson, I really had to figure out what my role was, what I could also learn, like coding, I didn't know how to code, but I took the time <laughs> to learn when a website had to go up and, and had my web developer you teach you're not me, a programmer? I know, like, and teach me certain things about basic coding, so I could do that on my own. But you really do have to have this honest conversation with yourself about what you can do and what you can't do, and realize that like just because you can't do it doesn't mean that you can't start a business, but you have to somehow have the resources or know people or find a way to be able to bring in that outside talent or outsource um, those needs to somebody else. And so I think that's a really good question because that I feel like that is something that could hold people back by thinking like, well, how do I do all this and just get overwhelmed in the day-to-day activities and not actually really like hit the ground running or do anything that's going to be um, helpful to run a successful business. 
No, I think that's a really great advice in terms of just taking a stack of your strengths so you can capitalize on them and recognize your weaknesses. You know, it's it's okay not to be an expert at everything, right? As long as you acknowledge that and actually seek out the experts in areas where you need them. Mm-hmm. So I, I have another follow-up question, and but I'm personally curious. You are you sound like a very self-reflective person as well as assertive based on the roles that you had taken. Do you think every entrepreneur has, every successful entrepreneur has those skills or or was there a network or other outside influences that helped you come to that realization to make you successful today because you thought through all those other things? It sounds like you had blind spots, but somehow you identified those blind spots. Yeah, but I, I guess I would say that I feel like everybody does. Um, that I no, I don't think that every entrepreneur might feel comfortable at the sales aspect or getting in front of people and doing uh, public speaking. But again, you don't have to. Um, I think you know if I look at I, like app developers, you know they might not be the best at mm-hmm. getting in front of a large room. Um, maybe they are. Sorry if they're listening, but um, like. You know, you you have to just identify your strengths. And so for me, I I really utilize that to my advantage. And so that's what I would encourage any entrepreneur is like everyone has a core set of strengths. If you have the idea to start a business, that means that somewhere within you is the ability to actually launch that business and to make it successful. But until you're able to identify what it is that you do really well and what it is that you need help with, you, you might not be able to get very far. Or you might make things much harder than it needs to be for yourself. So basically, you knew what team you needed to support the other aspects of the business, but you knew what the business needs were at that point. You had a particular set of those skills, and you need to just fill in the gaps along the way. Correct. And I I also think that having prior experience, I knew where to go in order to quickly grow my business. I think that that's something that, you know, when you start a business, you think your customer is everybody in the world. And that's not true. And so I had to really identify um, and and hone into who is my customer. It's this wellness community. It's this health and beauty community. It's not... Um, you know, it's not every single person that exists in the world. And so taking the time to do that too, that was really helpful to me because then it, it helped me say no to certain opportunities that weren't ultimately going to be right for the business. I mean, that is one of the key things that in- investors look at when they're looking at potential companies to invest in, they look at what is a total addressable market. Mm-hmm. So in, in your case, you kind of had to identify what your market is and see how big that opportunity right. for you to penetrate. Right. And I think that that is, it sounds very simple, but when you start a business, it's like, you know, it's like your baby mm-hmm. and you think that everybody should have this and everybody <laughs> will love it. And you really have to take some time to figure out right. like, who is it for? Yeah. I'm taking notes, which is why I'm like typing furiously on my phone so that if I ever decide to start an insure tech company that I talked about in one of our previous <laughs> episodes, I know how to go about this. And, you know, that was one of the questions that we received feedback on. Like, how do you actually go from the dream to, you know, a half-baked idea and, and transform that into a real-life company? So I want to pivot the conversation a little bit from the beginning of your company, how it started to how it's doing today. Mm-hmm. And how you got here, I mentioned this earlier, but you've grown your company to $2 million in sales in less than four years. And it's continuing to grow, which, again, is very impressive. 
the question is, you know, how did you do it? Do you have any tips for other direct-to-consumer companies out there? I guess maybe let let me take a step back because I don't really know about all your sales distribution channels. So maybe it's not completely direct-to-consumer and maybe your sales strategy is part of the answer. There's a plethora of beauty brands from, you know, the large corporate mainstreams to niche products. So how did you achieve such an impressive growth in a very competitive industry? Okay, well, thank you for saying that, number one. Um, but, you know, so I guess, as we mentioned, like, you know, having experience with business development um, for a number of years certainly paved the way for me to be comfortable interacting with decision makers. And being from the Southeast, I started leveraging relationships and partnerships that I had there. Um, and we were able to really generate a loyal customer base, which then eventually led me to a place where I felt like I was ready to expand. That's what brought me to New York. And it gave me really the confidence to begin introducing Genuine Glow to a new audience. And then I think using those same, uh, that same principle of really knowing your audience and targeting that customer base, not just everyone who's reading XYZ magazine mm -hmm. or everyone who's watching this TV show or is using this product. It's really knowing um, who is interested in your, in your product. So it helps streamline that a bit. And it led us, we're now sold in all 50 states. And we, um, as you mentioned, so about 70% is direct to consumer. Okay. Um, the rest are sold in, in boutique shops, okay. um, health and wellness spas. And then we do have some amazing retail partnerships that will be coming later this year. But it really just starts with having the right product and then being able to get it in front of the right people. Um, but like I said, I'm not sure I would have been able to do that or have that knowledge if it wasn't for my prior experience. So Nikki... That was a very polite way of answering the question. Mm -hmm. I'm sure our uh, listeners are interested in where they can actually find your products. If you could just like say <laughs> how we can buy directly from you, your website and all that stuff, that would be really cool too. Yeah, genuineglowskincare.com would be the best place to go. Cool, thanks. Yep, thank you. Again, that's really impressive. But I think what's even more impressive is the fact that you own 100% of your company. Uh -huh. So you did this pretty much all on your own, but are there any individuals or mentors um, who've helped you along the way? Yeah, so I mean, as a female business owner, I mean, this sounds like very cliche, but truly, like I am continually inspired by every female who's doing something brave and different. Certainly, there are individuals that I can think about who have helped me along the way and who have inspired me. But um, there's really like two pieces of advice that I think about like really frequently that the first one was actually from my mom. And my mom was a fashion executive for her entire career. And when I first became a manager, she told me to always use the word we instead of the word I. And the reason being that people aren't doing things for me, they're doing things for themselves. They have their own set of motivations, as really everybody should. And so functioning as a collective team, opposed to being a boss with employees, is how to succeed and get things done. And the same can really be applied to having a customer base, is that it's not it's all a we, we're all in this together. And so that's something that has really stood out to me is that um, it's not a, a me and them. It's not an I and them. It's really a we, we're all doing this together. And then I would say the second one, and, and this is an interesting one because on the subject of bosses, I had probably one of the best bosses ever. Um, and when I was a VP and I was in a traveling capacity, um, my first six months, I noticed that I somewhat took on the personality and traits of people I saw in similar roles. And I think this can happen, particularly like with females. You look up to other females in your company and you see how they act and you're like, okay, this is what a successful businesswoman looks like. Mm -hmm. And I noticed like, 
I started pulling my hair back. I was a bit stiff and I was more serious. And I was like <laughs> a version of them versus myself. And during uh, my first review with my boss, like he reiterated that he hired me to be me, not to be a version of someone who already worked work there. And really encouraged me or really taught me that business is not just about achievement. It's also very subjective. And so like to be who I am, show my personality. And that's something that I really think about like probably every couple of days, because I do think that that's something that, you know, we get an idea of like, this is what a businesswoman should look like. Um, and instead of remembering that we're businesswomen and how we look and how we act and we talk is just fine as well and is just as successful as someone who might be doing things differently. That sounds like it's like a twofold piece of advice. On the one hand, we have to recognize that there are other people who are watching us as female leaders and how we act might impact how the next generation of female leaders acts. But it, it, the other thing that you said that really resonated with me is that your that mentor in that specific example is male. Yep. And a lot of times we think that women need female mentors, and that's not always the case. And I, I think that's really cool how in this particular circumstance, your most memorable boss, who may or may not be listening, hopefully he is, like taught you something that was so valuable that you still use today. And valuable, like in life, not just in business, like just in mm -hmm. general, like just be like the best for it, be you. Be authentic. <laughs> that, exactly. Be authentic. Yeah. 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 Um, so I also want to go back to another point that Grace pointed out earlier is that you own 100% of your company. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about funding aspect? How did you fund your company? How did you how were you able to grow your company without getting investors? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. That's a very good question. Um, and I want to answer it like as honestly as possible, because I'm all even when I see other business owners, I'm like, how did this happen? Like, how did, <laughs> how did this happen? But truthfully, where I used to work, I had stock from that company. And I sold that stock. And then I used that to start the business. Um, and then being able to really execute on the strategy that I talked about and leverage the right relationships, particularly in the southeast, because it's where I'm from. And so I, I had connections there. It was I was able to become profitable pretty quickly. But then coming to New York um, as a female, a Southerner, a beauty founder, like it definitely has been a challenge to raise money. So ultimately, you know, I had to come up with a plan that was right for me, which has meant a bit slower growth than, you know, I, I would have liked, but ultimately also being profitable. So I have had interest from investors, but it just hasn't been the right partnership opportunity for me at this time. And I've come to the decision that ultimately it's not just about raising money. It's about keeping the vision of the company intact and then making sure that I partner with the right people. So funding, raising money certainly isn't off the table, but I've been able to get it to a place where being profitable is enough and will continue to grow even if it's slower than I would like. As you were going through that funding aspect or the lack thereof and growing it organically on your own, were there any of those an unanticipated events that you wish you were prepared for? Um, like all of it. I was completely unprepared for. So keep in mind, I the first time I ever had one of these meetings was when I was in New York City. And so right. um, it was completely, I mean, it was horrible. Like I like it, I would. Yeah, no, I was completely unprepared for all of it. I mean, 
the questions, the detail that was expected of me, I really was like, okay, we're building relationships. This is going to be so great. Like they're going to love the the message and the mission and blah, blah, blah. And was just completely not prepared for what they wanted to hear from me. And, and so, yeah. And so also, you know, um, you're sitting in a room often with, it's a lot of men and you're talking about a beauty company and you're also talking about a beauty company with a positive message to um, make women feel good about themselves, not bad about themselves. And so um, I've received a lot of, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I just don't get how that works. Well, less than 10% of people in BC who actually write checks are female. So maybe that is the mission I need to set out for myself to solve. That's a great problem to solve. And Mm -hmm. if anyone could solve it, it would be you, Grace. I agree. Well, whenever you're ready for that fundraise, just let me know and I can help you with your pitch deck. Yeah, absolutely. Nikki, kind of going back to that, it sounds like a piece of advice that you would give yourself today, that you today would give yourself when you started the company would be you'd have to get in front of people who just don't believe in your vision, your mission and all that. Are there any other pieces of advice that you wish you had or that you want to give yourself when you started the company? Yeah, I would say like um, flexibility is key because I was very, uh, I had this business plan and I had this idea about this is what it was going to look like at month six, at month 12 and going forward. And by now, Sephora would be obsessed with me and I'd be the number one brand (laughs) and even Marcus and probably in Vogue magazine. And and so for a time when that wasn't happening, I felt like I wasn't achieving things. And so I had to take a step back and really determine like, okay, look at how far I've come. Look at how much I've done. And this is a success. You know, I'm running a successful business. I'm supporting myself. Um, This is success. And so um, to really be flexible with the direction and also the time in which it can take or, or that the company and your own progress moves. Yeah, I mean, life is not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? Always a good reminder for all of us, especially, you know, you know, with eight personalities who just want to get there. Yes, like tomorrow. (laughs) Turtle not hair. Um, but yes. it, 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 <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds like you were able to stay true to your mission because of because you were so passionate about it. And it's an interesting reminder now that you're four to five years in. Of, it sounds like that all these aspects are um, impactful to where your company is today and where you plan on going mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think my my passion for the company and the the mission and the message behind the brand has only grown um, the more challenges that I've been faced or maybe opportunities to kind of go off brand or off the message. It's only reinforced really my belief in what it can be. Speaking of vision, I think it would be great to close out this episode with your vision, Nikki. Um, the beauty industry is experiencing this transformative landscape change. And there are various factors driving that shift from, you know, social media to this increasing focus on health and wellness to technology being embedded in a lot of service offerings. So can you talk about your future aspirations and where you see your company headed 
in the midst of all the shift? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think sticking with what I just said about flexibility being key, I won't go, um, I won't put myself in like a corner saying it has to look like this. But I think ultimately, I really just want Genuine Glow to be a community and a brand that is synonymous with well-being. I'd like it to allow for really a tapestry of alliances and create important products and service offerings that are beneficial to a large audience. Um, I really feel passionate about reimagining beauty and the way in which we do it and doing it in a way that we can make women feel good about themselves. Well, it looks like we have a lot of exciting things to look out for, and I'll definitely be following along as Grace will, as our other co-hosts and our listeners will be, uh, as Genuine Glow continues to grow and become the company you envision it to be. So, Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast today and inspiring us. Thank you. This was so fun. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. There's a lot of exciting things going on in the beauty industry in general. I don't know if you guys heard, but Glossier, which is a beauty company founded by Emily Weiss, entered the unicorn status recently, brought in $100 million of Series D round led by Sequoia Capital, and the round values the company at, I believe, $1.2 billion. I'll include the TechCrunch link on the show notes, but that's exciting not just for the beauty industry, but for female-founded startups in general, because there just aren't a lot of female-founded unicorns out there. And the beauty industry isn't necessarily, or isn't exactly a space that has traditionally gotten a lot of attention from VCs. There's actually another recent unicorn, Rent the Runway. It's not in the beauty industry, but again, another female-founded startup that reached the unicorn status. And hopefully a lot more to come, not to put any pressure on you, Nikki, or anything. (laughs) So if you'd like to check out Genuine Glow, we've included the website in the episode notes, and you can also connect with Nikki on LinkedIn. And if you have any questions or comments, or you just want to say hi, send us an email at fourofakindpodcast, F-O-U-R, at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, and our handle is at for F-O-U-R of a kind podcast for our updates. And don't forget to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks to our guest, Nikki Correa, to my co-host, Michelle, and to all of you for tuning in. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. Bye.